nothing stops you from speaking today. Nothing but us. Nothing but our hearts wanting to hear you. Nothing but us who want to really have a relationship with you. Nothing but us that we really desire your will for our lives. So, Lord, would you speak? I don't know how to say this, but would you make it plain? Because, Lord, I can't. So would you grab the attention of everybody in the sound of my voice? And may they hear you and not me. Lord, speak to us, I pray, that we might be a people of the living God who are under your marching orders and not of ourselves or someone else. But that, Lord, we live according to how you express to us what you expect from us. So, Lord, would you speak, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a difficult subject based on the very fact that too many people will say, I don't believe that God even speaks. Or that God has already spoken and he has spoken through his word. God speaks through his word, yes. But God also speaks in a way that he inspires, that he expresses himself in thoughts. He weighs things upon our hearts that we cannot dismiss. He brings it through the voice of other people. He ministers to us. But we have not taught ourselves to be quiet or even expect to hear from God. And somehow we think As long as I read the Bible, I'm okay. But the Bible doesn't explain every little detail about your life. God the Holy Spirit will. God says that he wants you to hear him. He doesn't want to keep any secrets from you about your life. Somebody else's life, yes. But your life, He wants to talk to you about your life. He don't want to talk to you about, per se, my life or somebody else's life. And sometimes we're so busy in other people's lives, we can't get direction for what? Our own lives. We have to learn to listen and to hear God speak. That takes training. When I first started at Akron General as a chaplain, I thought I was going into the room and I thought I was hearing the patients and and the communications that we were having. And Chaplain Lynn Barnett in charge of the chaplain division down there, he said, Gus, I want you to go to some listening classes. I want you to really learn how to listen to the patient. I want you to hear their fears. 
I want you to really hear their concern about their upcoming surgery. I want you to hear their questioning if they're going to make it or not. And I took those classes on listening and it allowed me to step into a patient's room and listen differently than what I was listening before. And I learned that I didn't have to speak as much. But I needed to listen. Oftentimes we call prayer our talking, but our talking to God is telling God what we want more than it is listening. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're talking so much, every time you try to say something, they just raise the tone a little bit and they take over and they just, and finally in your mind you just say, I'm just going to be still. That happens with God. We don't give him a chance to speak to us because we're so busy telling him all of our woes and all of our dissatisfactions of life and all our problems in life and what we want him to do in life for us. And we don't hear him. We don't hear him. How much talking is done is based on the relationship. Is based on the relationship. If you have a close relationship with someone, guess what? You're constantly in communication. My son, boy, he lives down in Myrtle Beach, but at least once or twice a week we're going to talk. He calls or I call, but mostly he does the calling, but, and, and, and we just talk. And he'll call his mom sometime on the, when she's at work and so forth, and they just talk. It's based on the relationship. I have two brothers, one in Texas, one out in California. I haven't spoken to them for a couple of years. Based on the relationship, even though I know they're my siblings. Now, one of them's coming down with dementia, and me and my sister said, we're going to go see him this summer. Why, we can still talk with him. But on my part, I'm saying, aren't you a little late? Aren't you a little late? <laughs> this is something you should have been, what? Doing. Never think pastors are perfect. They're not. We go through life just like you do. We have our ups and downs. But the communication is based on the relationship of how much you're talking and sharing with each other. And it is with God, based on your relationship and how much you want God to be involved in your life. We'll hug later. what you want to hear from God is based on your relationship with him and if you really trust him. If God doesn't speak to his people, how do we trust the Bible? See, if you just read the Bible out of duty, you're not reading it with the expectation of God speaking to you. 
you're reading it out of duty. This is something I have to do every day, morning or night. I got to read a couple of verses. But you're not expecting God to what? Stop you and speak to you. In the word, God reveals himself. And if you read and you allow this mind to capture what God is saying, sometimes God will stop you in the process of your reading and he begins to speak directly to you from his word. It's the thoughts that go through. And if God doesn't speak to his people, how do we trust the Bible then? And how do we know it's from God? How do you know it's from God? Go to Numbers 23 and verse 19. This is how you begin to really know something is of God or not. One of the things Melvin was saying in his class tonight, when he read the verse, when Jesus said, this is for you, that you might believe in John was this purpose here. Everything Jesus was doing was accumulating a number of things happening in their life, of the disciples' lives, that they might conclude because they experienced A, B, C, D, E, F. This is the Son of God. With us, things are happening. We'll talk to God, and he'll get us out of this, and he'll move us out of this situation, and he'll make this a little bit better. But we are a people who quickly forget that God did it because, number one, we don't believe he did it. We don't believe he opened the door. We don't believe he gave me that contact. We don't believe he gave me this or gave me that. Or we don't believe him. Therefore, because we don't believe the communication lines are somewhat shut down. He says in that 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. So that's one thing you can take right off your mind. God will never lie to you. He'll never lie to you about your life. And he'll tell you about your life. And he'll never lie to you about it. Secondly, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. I don't care how much you plead with him. What he said, he's not changing his mind. Does he speak and then not act? See, the worst thing for a parent to do is to make a promise to their children and then don't do it. Even me and little Tyler is learning that, aren't we, Tyler? That when Grandpa say no, he means no. And if I tell you I'm going to spank them hands, what do Grandpa do? I spank the hands. Because there's no use me telling you what I'm going to do if you do it again, and I don't do it. And he says, if I've said it, I will what? Do it. Because you are a people, and I am one also, who believe so much sometimes in luck. When something happens, we say, boy, I'm lucky. It wasn't of God. Oh, no, it's just luck. No, there's no such thing as luck. Does he speak and then not act? 
does he promise and not fulfill? Everything God has said about my life, he has done it. Even in some dreams that I dreamed before it took place, I find myself in India preaching to a group that I dreamed about a few months earlier. You see yourself, and God wants to speak to you. The question again, do you want to hear from him? Do you want to hear from him? Some will tell you they don't trust or believe the Bible to be the word of God. For many, it is just another book written by man, and that's the excuse of many individuals. Well, I'm over in the park, and I share with the men that I'm just reading the Bible, because sometimes they'll stop and ask, what are you doing? What are you reading? I'm reading the Bible. And we strike up a conversation. Oh, that's just a book written by men. That's just a book to deceive you. God's book is to open our hearts and our minds to him. If I begin to believe this, then I will begin to believe what it says. And if I believe what it says, then God wants to pour more into me. He wants to pour more into us. Now, how would you explain Jeremiah 29, 11? Go ahead and turn to it before we go to 1 Samuel 3. Jeremiah 29, and many of you know it, but how would you explain that? Uh, oftentimes, you could say we're taking it out of context, or are we keeping it in context? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, is God speaking just to the nation of Israel? And sometimes we take it and we speak it to who? individuals. God has a plan for you to prosper you. Understand something. It's both nation and individuals. Remember, nation is made up of what? Individuals. If the nation prosper, the people living in that nation what? Prosper. If the people prosper, does not the nation prosper? You cannot separate them. Yes, he is speaking of the nation of Israel, that he's going to bring them out of captivity, and he's going to cause them to prosper. But he's going to cause the nation to prosper, and by causing the nation to prosper, the individual prosper. Because America is prosperous, guess what? You and I are prosperous. Roscoe and Roger and those guys that worked at Chrysler, those who drive the buses and so forth, because the nation has prospered, guess what? They prospered. And because they prospered, the nation is what? Richer. You cannot separate it. It, can, it applies to both. 
But if God has a plan for your life, and God wants to open up doors for you, how are you to know that unless you can hear God speak? God begins to work in your life and opens up things. Remember one of the questions I asked Big Junior? What is it that God has for you? He got stuck there for a moment. But who is to say he shouldn't be a, a roadway or a yellow? Who is to say he's going to be in one state or two states? Who is to say God won't open up the whole nation for him? Who is to say what he would do? Who would say he wouldn't be a Stanley Tam? A Stanley Tam was the man who invented the plastic gas can. And he reverted it in his salary. He said, Lord, I'm going to give you 90% of the business and all my income, and I'm going to live on 10%. And he was a millionaire on 10%. How many of us could be happy on 10%? And he turned it around. Lord, I'm going to give you 90%. And Stanley Thames, if you read his life story, he built churches all over the world through different organizations in whom he gave money to. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe God wants to prosper you? Do you believe God wants to set you up in high places? Do you believe God wants to take you through Cincinnati all the way through and just with a B.A. and on to a master's? How far can you believe and trust God? It's not about where you are today. The question is, where can God take me if I surrender to him? We must expect him to do so. That God is the one who's going to cause us to prosper. God is the one who's going to manage our lives. This is one thing God knows about every one of us. Left to ourselves, we'll mess our lives up. God already knows that. That's why he wants to interact with us. That's why he wants to talk to us, because the best counselor you will ever have is God himself. But you have to expect God to speak to you. Then you have to learn how to listen to him. Why? There are many voices in your head. How many of you would recognize your mother's voice? How many of you would recognize your father's voice? My aunt and grandmother, who was very close to us, Aunt Lizzie had a kind of a soft voice. Grandmother had a little rough voice. But we knew each one of their voices. But we also had to distinguish grandma's voice and Lizzie's voice from mom's voice. I remember one time telling my kids, you better learn one voice. Because they had got so used to their grandmother's voice, who was known as Big Mom, in a sense, 
they were very used to it. And I told my kids one day, when your mama speaks, I don't care who else speaks, you better do what mama says. And there's only one voice that overrides mama. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and, uh, but the whole process was that area of learning the different voices and how you respond to different voices. Now ask yourself, did you respond differently to your mother than the way in which you responded to your father? Where's James at? He knows because he went flying through the air. See? The whole process, you learn the voice. And when you learn the voice, you respond to that voice. Out of what? Out of habit. Out of habit. You teach yourself. With all them voices and the voices of friends and voices of neighbors and just all the different thoughts that run through your mind. And that's why the Lord said, take every thought captive. Bring it under the authority of Christ, under the obedience of Christ. You've got to take all them thoughts and you've got to find out which thought really is of God. Which one is it? Whose voice are you really hearing? Whose advice are you really hearing? Go to First Samuel with me, because Samuel was having this problem as a young man. And it was not that Samuel was not an individual when it says the scripture that Samuel did not know the Lord. Samuel did not know the voice of the Lord. Samuel had grew up in the temple. He's the child of Hannah. Hannah prayed for this child. And Hannah, when she was done weaning the child, and let's say around two, three years old, when you stop nursing maybe, but whenever that weaning time was over, she turned Samuel over to the temple, Eli. Samuel knew about God. Now, here comes the issue. A lot of us can grow up in church knowing about God, but not really having a close relationship with God. We know about him. We've heard about him. We're even maybe in ministry, in choir, in ushering, in this, in that, in Sunday school. We're doing something because we're taught that in church life. What church can't teach you is this is a relationship with your Lord. We can go all through scripture talking about a relationship between a man and a woman, a wife and a husband, but nobody can really teach that but the Holy Spirit. Why? Nobody can give you a love for a woman or a woman for a man but God himself that really gives that love. Let's go to Second Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2. I want you to go to verse 30 because this is a key point here. In verse 30, he says, Therefore the Lord 
the God of Israel declared, I promise, I promise. Remember what we just read in Numbers? If God promised, if God said it, won't he do it? I want you to check, does he do that in the life of Eliah? Of Eli. Does he do it in the life of Eli? Yes, he does. Check it out in Scripture. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declared, I promise that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me. There's where it starts at. If your life doesn't honor the Lord, why would you even expect him to talk to you? When parents, when life with some of their children gets so bad, parents will not even speak to their child because their child does not what? Honor them or respect them or care for them. And it kind of like breaks the what? The relationship. And that's what God is saying here. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, those who highly respect me, I will highly respect them. Those who really honor me, I will honor them. Now, hear what else he says. I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Disdained is to be, have no concern about, pushed off, don't care about. And one thing God is saying, you really don't care about me or my kingdom or anything I stand for, my standards, my values. I'll disdain you, and I won't care about you. Yet, he still loves us. But it's not that closeness. It's not that closeness. That's one of the first things that has to happen. That you want to let God know, Lord, I want to honor you in all I do. And that don't mean that you'll do it. There's going to be many of failures. And I've had many of failures. But I constantly pray, God, I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. I want you to be lifted up in my life. I want people to see you in my life. I want to honor you. Knowing that I don't do it all the time. That's the first door that opens up. And it's one of the first doors that is shut in this line of communication when there is a loss of respect and honor for the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Samuel is ministering. Who is he ministering to? Eli. 
Why? Eli is losing his sight. It says in verse 2, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, he's ministering to Eli. He's helping Eli, in a sense, do his ministry because Eli doesn't see the way he once was able to see. He needs help. And Samuel's helping. But Samuel's been there from the age three or four years old, there in the temple, ministering with Eli. So it's not that Samuel doesn't know about God, but he never heard God's voice. But he does know Eli's voice. And out of habit, he responds when he hears his name called. But it also declares something else in that verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. The ministry that he was serving with Eli was under the watchful eyes of God. Understand this. Your ministry and how you respond to other people is always under the watchful eyes of God. It's not that God doesn't see. God sees everything and hears all that we do. And it says, the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, catch this now, the word of the Lord was rare. It wasn't common. God wasn't speaking to a lot of people. Between Old Testament and New Testament, we call it 400 silent years. No prophet, no word from God, nothing new written about God in those 400 years. Almost like God just kept quiet, didn't say a thing for 400 years. Then the next time when he speaks, he speaks about Jesus coming. And John the Baptist coming. But for 400 years, he was silent. My question to explore is, why is God being silent with us today? If we need to hear from God, it's today. With all the trouble, with all that's going on, we need to hear from God. We need some direction. Our government needs some direction. People in leadership need direction. Our homes are broken up. They need some direction. Why? Why is God so silent? And he said it is very rare. It is uncommon. It is something that wasn't heard of much. And then he says visions also. So, so God wasn't very active. The word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Eli is weak and broke down, and we're going to talk about his problems and one of the reasons why maybe God didn't speak to Eli rather than Samuel. So he speaks to Samuel that now he's going to start fulfilling what the promise he made to Eli about his family. 
But this happens, so when it takes place, it says in verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. If you look in commentaries, and oftentimes they will revert you over to Leviticus 6, 12 and 13, but the fire there is the sacrificial fire, not the candle lights that lit the temple. And uh, we know that history and so forth, that those candle lights that they were put out at the crack of dawn, at the beginning of dawn. So could he have been speaking here that the lamps have not gone out yet, meaning that it's still dark, dawn hasn't broken, or does it mean, and I want to be clear on this, I believe it's the light of God. Eli's light. Remember what Jesus says? He is the light of the world. He is the light for every man. And what God is saying to us, the light, even though the sin that is there, even though that what has taken place, the light's not out. And sometime in our lives, Sin can so cloud our lives, other people can't still see what? The light, the dark plan. That light is there. That light is there. And God is saying, I believe about Eli, the light is still there. And we're going to see it later on in this chapter. And he goes on and he says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, now guess what? There could have been a hundred of places to sleep at. But Samuel chooses to sleep by the ark. The ark is a representation of where God dwells, God sit, God's at. And he is Sleeping by the ark. He's sleeping close to God in a sense. And he goes on and he says, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. Why? He's accustomed to what? Ministering to Eli and running to Eli when Eli would call. He had not yet learned the voice of God to distinguish God's voice from Eli's voice. But he heard this voice calling his name and he just by habit went to Eli. Now this happens three times. So when we get down into verse 8, the Lord, the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Now this is the third time this has happened. Now, look at the rest of this verse. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Verse 
but I want you to see the ministry of Eli to Samuel. Eli did not try to step in and credit himself with something of interpreting or doing something that only the Lord could do. And Eli realized it was God's voice. Samuel couldn't distinguish it. And Eli gives him instructions. Now there's two words in here that's very important for us. Very important. Because sometimes I think we get it out of order. One, who is the Lord and who is the listener? That I understand I should be listening more to him than he's listening to who? But we assume God should be listening to who? To us. More than we are listening to him. As a parent, have you ever told your child, be quiet and listen? And that's, in a sense, God. But remember this, God won't force us. Everything about us in this relationship with God is about love. If you love me, I don't have to raise my voice. I love Elaine. And one of the things I try to practice is not raising my voice. Now, I didn't say I, I was that good that I did it all the time. But that's one of the things I try to practice, not to raise my voice. And when you really love somebody, you don't really want to do that. And God knows one thing. When you get to your end wits, where are you going to come to? And he simply says now, here come these instructions. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. Why is it important to say, speak, Lord, here? Lord is another word for master. Elohim, God. Speak, Lord. Is recognizing his authority, his position, who he is, where at in my life. As he would run to Samuel, he realized Samuel was his what? Mentor. Samuel was the one discipling him. Samuel was the one taking care of him. Now he's going to speak to one that is higher than Eli. And Eli says, when he speaks again, you say, Lord. Very quickly, that puts us in a right position. He's Lord. I'm the servant. He's Lord. I'm the servant. And sometimes with children, they have to understand, I'm the parent, they're the child. And God is saying, I'm the parent. Listen. And the next word that he says, 
after he says, yes, Lord, he says, your servant listens. Recognizing now who he is. He's the servant. He's the servant. Sometimes we're speaking to God and we're not recognizing who he is. We think he's the servant. You go do this. You go bring me this. You make this happen. Rather than understanding, I'm the servant. If anybody's doing the going, it's me. If anybody's doing the doing, it's me. If anybody's bringing something, it's me. I need to understand who I am. So the very thing that he really teaches him here is simply this. He realized that it was from the Lord. Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, if he calls you, say, you speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now come down into verse 11. Is it 11 or 1 or 10? Uh, uh, 10. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servants listening. He brings it up twice that he's listening. He's listening. If God isn't speaking, why would I be listening? But if Satan has taught us not to listen, catch this, Angela. If your son or daughter's friends teach them not to listen to you as the parent, who are they listening to? They're listening more to their friends than they are listening to who? You. And the issue is that you want your children to be able to listen to who? To you. More than they listen to their friends. Friends may mean good. And friends may give all their little advice and so forth. But the advice of parents come out of love and real care. Not out of friendship but out of real concern that they speak truth into your life. When God speaks to us, he's speaking truth into our lives. And he wants us to know him. And he says, you say, your servant's listening. I'm the servant. I'm listening. Hey, God, you listening to me? I made this request the other day. It hasn't happened yet. Are you, are you on your job? We take the wrong attitude towards him. And our attitude ought to be, Lord, your servant is listening. What is it you would have these hands to do? Lord, your servant is listening. What would you have me to say? Lord, your servant is listening. Where would you have me to go? Lord, your servant is listening. See, we don't oftentimes pray that way. We're praying, Lord, fix this. Lord, do this. Lord, take care of this for me. Lord, this is the problem. Lord, 
God's waiting for some of us to surrender ourselves to him. Forgetting everything else. Surrender to him and be willing to do what he would have you to do, even though it may be painful or hurtful to you that you're willing to do it. Now, I want you to come on down with me a little bit further. And I want you to pick up with me in verse 12. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. Now, he's telling that to Samuel. Not to Eli, but to Samuel. So why not tell Eli rather than Samuel? For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to what? Restrain them or correct them. That he just allowed them to happen and his sons were priests. And Eli being the head, he did nothing. Even for parents, sometimes we see our children in sin and doing wrong and we what? Say nothing. You can't make them do at a, after a certain age, but you can certainly tell them. But we're saying nothing. And God says, I'm going to punish him because he did nothing. So in verse 14, he said, Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for and never be forgiven. Why wouldn't it be forgiven? Because Eli, as a priest, was an example to the people. And he allowed his sons to rape young girls in the temple, to commit adultery in the temple, to do all foul things in the temple. And God said, I will not forgive him for that. The guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Verse 16. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel, answer. Here I am. Now look at verse 17. Grasp it and grab, it, grab hold of it. What was it he said to you? I want you to see the confidence that Eli had that God spoke to Samuel. He didn't question, uh, did God speak to you? Uh, did God say something to you? Uh, by any chance, did he really speak? Eli had the confidence that God spoke to Samuel. He didn't question that. He had confidence that God had spoken to Samuel. He didn't know really what he spoke about. But he knew this. God said something to him. And look what he says then. 
What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. See, the light's not out yet in Eli. Eli knows God. Eli knows what God can do. If you hide from me anything, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Now listen here. This is where I say the light has not went out in Samuel, even because of the sin and so forth. The light is still there. Look what Samuel, look how Eli replies. Eli then says, then Eli said, he is the Lord. Oh boy, acknowledge him that. Even in all my failure, in all my sin, in all my misdoings, and all, Lord, you are Lord. Lord, you're Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Now, what did he know about God? God is merciful. And whatever God does to me will be just and right. See, the only one who can really say something like that is the person who knows their God. Whatever he does, it will be good. It will be right. It will be just. Let him do whatever is good in his eyes. Not my eyes. His eyes. He knew that God had spoke to this young man. And he may have thought, okay, God's telling him something about me. And he inquires, and Samuel tells him. Now pick up with me in verse 19. Stay with me through 19 through 21. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. Young people, do you know if the Lord is with you? You don't have to wait until you're 70 years old to really believe in the Lord. You don't have to wait until you're 50, 60 years old. You start to learn God's voice now. If you learn it now, he will guide you, direct you, he'll order your steps. You'll be surprised what he does in your life if you learn his voice now. And that is pertinent for young people to be able to hear God's voice over the parents' voice or over the pastor's voice or anybody else's voice that they learn to hear God's voice who directs their life. And he says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, everything God said, he did. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Now hold to 21. Look at it. Look at it good. For the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself. There he revealed himself. He revealed himself. How? To Samuel through his word. What word? Through the written word, through the verbal word. He reveals himself. He reveals himself through his word, 
through his verbal word. When you learn to walk with God and you're hearing God, you'll take steps that you'll even question because that step is by faith because you're trusting God and you step out. Because God has said, do it, do it. God don't hold long conversations. It's stop, go, do this, do that. God is very direct. And he'll direct you. And he'll say yes or he'll say no. And God follows his own counsel. Let your word be yea or nay. So sometimes you're going to say no. Sometimes it's going to be yes. Sometimes it's going to be do this. When faith came to me and said, Dad, what do I do about this teaching thing? Well, you and the Lord got to figure that out. You and your husband got to figure that out. Not me. Because whatever you decide is not going to affect me. What you decide will affect him. There's times in your life you got to get with God more than you get with your husband, get with your best friend, or whoever you get with. you got to get with God. Put it before him. And really allow him to know, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. And sharpen your ears to hear. Whether he speaks to you through a normal conversation of people that you hear your answer, whether it be through somebody just direct who you're speaking to, or whether it be that God impresses it upon your heart or runs it through your thought mind and you, that's God. That's God. Always, though, when you hear God understand this, he'll never tell you something contrary to his word. So your word, his word is always his checkbook. You're on safe ground when you stay in tune with his word. Learn, practice, listening to God. Now, I'm not telling you, don't ask God for things. He's told him, He's already told us in scripture, you can come and ask him what? Anything. We do so much asking, though, that we don't listen. And all I'm saying is also learn to listen. Why? He cares about you. He loves you more than anybody else will ever love you. And he wants to speak truth into your life. And he'll do it if you allow him. If you allow him. We're the ones who stop God wants to speak. Do you want to hear? Father, either you are this mystical God of, of far off from us 
and don't care about our lives from day to day. You could care less if we fall down, if we thrive, if we hurt, if we're in pain or if this is happening to us. You could care less if you're a God who is a far, far, far off from us. But scripture says you are a God that's only a breath away. You are a God that is very near. You are a God that is our ever-present helper. You are a God that loves us and concerned about us and wants to speak into our lives that we can know. That we can know. That we can know we're following your will. We're in the center of your will. We're living the way you want us to live. We're speaking the way you want us to speak. We're going where you want us to go. We are your people who are called to honor you. We are your people who are called to glorify you. We are your people who are called to make sacrifices for you. We are your people. Let us not be nothing less than a people who honor you and glorify you. Consecrate us. Sanctify us. Anoint us anew. Minister to us. Let us hear from you afresh. And Lord, we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.
believe God knows your name? He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows where you live. A dinner and a dialogue. All right, then. Let's see if we can support him some. He's speaking Wednesday at St. George Fellowship Church. Uh, it's going to be from 5.40. Doors open, dinner at 6 o'clock. And if they just want to come from the dialogue, what would be a good time for them to show up? Okay, if you want to be part of the line at all, he says seven.